Good afternoon, Paul, and good afternoon, everyone. Sky FF, Game Week 1 preview, here we go. How has your week been, Paul? Yeah, it's been good, thanks, Fergie. Just uh, tying up fantasy loose ends in all different formats, uh, including Sky as well. How about you? How was the holiday? Holiday was good. Spent a lot of it um, on a sun lounger with my uh, phone in hand, tinkering away. I've got, I think I've got myself into this kind of thing in Sky. You know, we all, we all have it, don't we? Where we start off all right, very sensible, and then we kind of go down all these rabbit holes, don't we? And then they kind of end up with with things. But at the moment, I've got Salah in my draft. But after uh, all the, you know, for your Ferrari on Twitter this morning about how how bonkers I am, and actually realizing that. Um, he does get obviously extra points being a midfielder and this, that, and the other. He's probably going to squeeze his way in. I don't want to spill my season, but at the moment, I haven't got Kane and Haaland in my draft. Um, I am a pretty, I'm pretty thing on the value of having a stronger team now. We haven't got man of the matches, but uh, we will talk about that um, in a bit. Um, firstly, before we kick off, I'm sure you've seen, um, but you can join Fantasy Football Hub now with 50% off, and also if you play FPL and you don't win your FPL mini league. Um, you can get your money back. Um, and by the way, uh, this this will include uh, for Sky uh, Game It One team reveals from myself um, and three former winners: Dan Cox, Liam Dorian, and also the current reigning champion Mark Wisdish. If you want to see their Game It One teams towards the end of the week, sign up to the hub now. Join um, in the description below. Um, and and yeah, and and also for members as well. Paul and I are also creating a very new short form podcast, which you should have out later this week. I mean, why wouldn't you join the hub? Good afternoon in the chat. Who do we have? Uh we have Geo Boys, four days to go. I still don't have Salah. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Uh, Ian Parron is in. Welcome, Ian. Mark Williamson. Dan Cox says, Can't wait for Fergie to justify his no Salah thoughts. Um Kaiser Sose, hi all. Mark Daniels is in. Ben McCrum. Getting impatient now. I just want the season to start. Absolutely. FPL Spartans. Amon, Amon Tatler. Dan. Ollie Paul. Uh, he put in a, a really good question. Is he allowed uh, to watch this pod as, as part of his job? Ollie is obviously now the new editor at The Hub. Um, I think you should use your lunchtime, Ollie. I'm obviously only joking. Uh, Ryan G. Uh, Joseph Robinson. Martin Beasy. Johnny White. Darren Surgeon. First time ever live watching. Usually listen to the podcast. Welcome, Darren. Great to have you on. Shane White. Brownie. Hotshot. And everyone else. Thank you so much um, all for joining us. Uh, Paul, what are we going to be talking about today? Yeah, so I've got a couple of things to go through. Um, I've got 10 differentials who are on my shortlist, um, all under 10% owned. Um, I have considered them all and they've all been in at least one of my drafts when I've been pulling together my team. And also three quick hit takeaways from pre-season um, that people may or may not be aware of um, that I thought worth mentioning as well. Lovely. Less, I, I bet you a couple of differentials are going to be in my in my team, I think. Let's, let's start off with the differentials, Paul. Yeah, so I've got the two two Spurs centre-halves um, to go with. So Romero is only in 6% of teams and Dyer is in 8% of teams. I think, I, I said this in the last pod, I think Romero is one of, if not the best value player in this game this season at his price, and I thought that 7.8% was a bit cheap. Um, it's a good chance he'll pass in. He picks up the tackle bonus as well. He does look like a threat. Maybe that's not uh, at set pieces. Maybe that's not come through and they can attack and outputs as such yet. But it's 7.8 million um, with Spurs' fixtures in particular. I know that away to Chelsea in game week two is, uh, is more tricky, but 
Um, five of the remaining six opening games are, are favourable and you expect um, a lot of possession for Spurs in those games as well. Just, uh, I um, yeah, I was surprised that, do you know, like an FPL, we talk about the, the Twitter template uh, and that has backed up this season with percentage uh, ownership. But in Sky, it doesn't seem to be the case because I think like 90% of teams that I see on Twitter has Romero in defence and to only be in 6.24% of teams is uh, very surprising in my opinion. I think the die is underpriced as well, 8.4. Because if you, you know, yeah. as, we, as we've talked about numerous times, you know, we fully expect Spurs to improve again defensively this year. Conte likes to keep the ball. Dyer's got attacking threat. All right, you know, you you can have an opinion on whether you think he's a, a brilliant, you know, defender or not. I don't think he is really, um, you know, and that comes as a Spurs fan. But putting all that aside, I think 8.4 million for a very likely top four finishing team nailed on to start, playing at the centre, is going to be knocking it about at the back. I think 8.4 is crazy cheap. And at the moment, I've got both of them in my draft because they're just so cheap. Um, yeah, well, that... Dyer plays at the heart of the three, so exactly. if anyone if anyone's more nailed on for passing, it's him, and and perhaps that comes with the the additional um, the additional cost. But yeah, I think um, I think both of those are a really good value. The problem I've got, we'll talk we'll talk structurally now, because this this to me is the the killer part of the whole draft, whether you have a fifth defender or not. But um, yep. having Dyer eight point four, I think he's far and away the best option. Uh, across across all brackets, obviously, you know, excluding Romero, um, and maybe excluding you know a couple of other really obvious ones, but he's definitely one of them. And what, and, and do you go for that fifth spot? Because this this the problem with Sky is is you can't um, you can't have the five four one, can you? Which every time I try and get to a team, I'm like, I've got it. You realise you can't go five four one, and you've got if you have the five at the back, you have to have two forwards. And that's yeah. that's what I'm finding really tough is whether to go for that fifth defender or not. But um, yeah, we'll talk about that more more in a bit, I suspect. Yeah, um, so up next on differential list, uh, the two Manchester City centre half. So we've got Aki, who's currently on less than one percent of teams, so 078 percent at eight million. It looks like from pre-season, uh, Stones I don't think had been vaccinated and hence didn't travel with Man City to to America. So he's played limited, if not any. Um, pre-season games so so Aki looks like you start there with Laporte being out until September uh, 8 million guaranteed passing bonus I think he's definitely worth consideration um, and then Diaz at 10.6 million I think he is so so a whole 0.4 million cheaper than Cancelo if you're looking to you know if you need to eke out that that extra um, those extra funds to, to boost elsewhere Diaz is only in 7% of teams as well so yeah, again, I was surprised by both of those, particularly Aki. I know that the longevity, perhaps, of his um, his position in the team is maybe more under threat, but uh, I definitely like both of those options as well. In terms of Aki, um, you know, strategically now this season, now we've got the extra transfers, do you think a lot more people will go for these kind of shorter-term players like Aki? Um, well, well, I would have thought so, but 0.78% suggests maybe not. Um, are, I, I was really, I was really surprised, possibly more than anybody else on this list. What are your uh-huh. thoughts on on that kind of strategy? Now, is is you know these these players we're never sure. Remember, like Matip last season, and yep. uh, you know yep. players like that where you're not sure they're going to play or not. Do you think they're worth a punt if they if they hit? 
you're laughing because one, you get the points, but two, you save a transfer. But obviously, you know, you may have to move one off one. Do you think that, um, I know you mentioned last week potentially about making five transfers, like four or five weeks in as part of a reshuffle. Is that is that part of your strategy with, you know, with Ake, for example? Yeah, I think that I would go for maybe one or two of those types of players max where you know that you might need yeah. to transfer a couple of weeks if I get the hit. Uh, remember like Simicus last season played the first three games because we knew Robertson was out um, and it, like, I think he was like 6.7 or 6.8 million for a, for, a, for a Liverpool defender that was playing the first three games and he picked up some attacking re- returns as well as the clean sheets as well and I think this just could be another example really like that and we're going to talk about a few other players that fit this mould as well um, and maybe having one or two of those max so that you know if Worst comes to worst, that there's two transfers that you're blocking out for these. It all depends on your strategy as well. Talk about the rotating big strikers, and I've got an alternative strategy that you could potentially use to that as well. Um, we'll talk talk a little bit more about that later on. So another player I can guess is in this mould um, is William Saliba. Do you want to talk about yeah. him? So, so a lot of questions about Saliba. I remember, was it two seasons ago or three seasons yeah. ago where it was like five point yeah. something and everyone had everyone had them in their, their drafts, but Arsenal played again on the opening game of the season and uh, he didn't feature and then he went off to, to Marseille on loan after that. But yeah, 7.4 million. I think, he's, I think he's a really good option to start the game with. So one, someone posed the question, is it a trap? It might be been Oli Poole. I know that he did ask a question about Saliba. Someone said, is it a trap? It's less of a trap knowing that you'll see him starting the season, so it's only one transfer to get him out. Whereas throughout the season, if you're making these decisions, it's one transfer to bring the player in. And then if it doesn't work out after two or three games, it's one transfer to take back out. So, so you're using two transfers, whereas... Just now, you're only using one, and you know that he's going to start because you you see the Arsenal Crystal Palace lineup. There's also a lot of players around uh, that price bracket that I think they could move to. Uh, I see Newcastle carrying a lot more possession this season, um, so so maybe someone like Botman who's got good attacking threat as well, and you'll be able to see how Newcastle line up for the first two or three games. Then if Saliba did lose his place, you'd be able to move on there. Uh, Fofana is another one. Um, he's on that differentials list as well at 1.79%. Um, and, and he might be, you know, when it's either if you move to Chelsea or um, you see that he is settled after the um, after the transfer speculation or not two or three games in. So both of those are around about the same price as but I think they're both at 7.5. So as long as you had the 0.1 to make the move, um, there is definitely options to move on. So like de-risking it slightly. Botman, 7.5. Yeah. Good price, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I can't say for sure that they'll keep a lot of possession, but we will be able to see over the over the two or three games that Newcastle start with how, uh, how they settle and how uh, solid they're looking at the back as well. Okay. Uh, you've also got a few others on this list, Paul. Yeah, so Koulibaly, um, Chelsea. I see him just stepping in to where Rudiger was playing before. I know a lot's been said about Chelsea in pre-season. If there's one fixture that you want to get your confidence back, it would be uh, against Everton, surely. Oh, yeah. uh, Chelsea will have a lot of possession as well. So, uh, And Chelsea have a few upcoming captaincy or days in which a Chelsea player could be the standout captain option, all of which appear on the first match day of a set of fixtures as well. So not an easy 
move on to the point. So perhaps start with Koulibaly, 9.3 million, I think's good value for someone that's going to regularly pick up passing bonus and, and throw in the clean sheets for Chelsea. And then I've got three other players on the list. Rashford, I think if you told me a year ago that Rashford would be an 8.1 million midfielder that I'd be scrambling to try and get him on my team. Um, I guess it all depends what happens with Ronaldo as well. They look a lot more fluid without Ronaldo in the team. Um, but 8.1 million for a for a starting Manchester United forward and get the additional points from being a midfielder, classified as a midfielder. Um, I could see him uh, making his way to more than the 4.56% of teams that currently is in. And then another two, Martinelli from Arsenal, 8 million midfielder. Arsenal's looked great in pre-season, really attacking, really fluid, 3.37%. Like a lot of people will be on Jesus and it almost nullifies his impact. So um, I always think of it like you doubling up on Arsenal. Is it really doubling up on Arsenal when the two-thirds of the game is going to have Jesus in there? And their team come the start of the season anyway. And then the last player, he wasn't actually, I didn't even realise he was this cheap, but Jamie Vardy always starts the season really well. 10.2 million. Perhaps, if, like I know a lot of people's talking about moving on to Haaland um, on match day two, but even like if you didn't want Jesus long-term, moving on to Vardy in match day two, and even captain at home to Brentford, I think could, could be a really good option. Uh, he's on less than 4% of teams just now. Lovely stuff. Um, yeah, I agree on lots of that. It's, it's, we kind of, just before we came on, we you said that you think that the game was going to be quite template. And I said, I don't think it's going to be. And just judging, looking at some of the ownership levels of some of those players, because, you know, a lot of them are, you know, a, f- a few you've mentioned, Mike Botman potentially haven't been, you know, talked about a lot but a lot of the others are quite visible to kind of engaged fantasy managers but some of those percentages there some in the naught point somethings um i think it's gonna be quite an open start and the reason is i think it's because there's just so many amazing options um that i think the the, the extra transfers gives different variation strategies as well um yeah i just I, i don't know i just I changed my team twice after you, after you, after you talked about, about, oh, look at that, what I can do. Oh, oh this is exciting. Um, but yeah, I think... In fairness, these, in fairness, these aren't uh, off the wall kind of differentials, like you have to be different. These are all players exactly. that, um, that have that, some of which are in my team currently and all of which have... Probably Vardy is the only one on that list that's never made it into my draft and it's not... And that would be because I'd be using a, I, I would potentially use a transfer to bring in Vardy on on match day two. Um, that's not my current plan, but um, I have I had thought about it. Lovely stuff, Paul. Yeah, some real gems in there, and I gotta say, I've said I said it a few times in preseason. This is the most excited I've been ahead of a new fantasy season for many years, many many years. Um, you know, we've always had a massive break, haven't we? You know, a couple of months completely off football. Uh, you know, obviously, aside from the lionesses, many, many congratulations, obviously, to the lionesses yesterday. Um, but other than you know, other than that, really, football-wise, um, there's been nothing. Obviously, we've had all the disruption with you know, with COVID, which has had knock-on effect of you know Euros and and things like that. But I think the fact that we've you know 
certain players have moved around the league um, and the fact that Man City and Liverpool are going to look a bit different this year to what we've seen over the last three or four years. Um, you know, brand new players the league, new managers, top, top managers. I'm so excited and I'm also excited kind of looking at my team and, you know, looking at Sky and looking at all the games because I think it's quite a lot of variation. FPL is there's definitely, you know, definitely a um, template, right, as there always is. But on, on all these other games, I can see quite a lot. And um, obviously, we're going to talk a bit about premium because that's something I'm really interested in around um, how many we have. But uh, next, Paul, you just wanted to talk a bit about a couple of pre-season takeaways. Yeah, so so three quick hits. And I, and I purposely didn't mention any of the players on the differentials pick, even if they fit this category as well. Um, so first one's on Wolves. So Wolves have got like a, a, a really nice set of opening fixtures. And I know that Neves um, perhaps irked a few people last season after getting injured when people were doing the uh, transfers to bring him in for that Leeds game when everyone, um, when all the Leeds players that people owned were injured yeah. at the start of the game as well. But with Jimenez out injured now for the first couple of months of the season, Neves looks like he's on penalties. Um, he took the penalty and was his friend at the weekend. If you add that to the kind fixtures, the passing potential, the tackling bonus potential as well, I think it's 7.9 million. He could be a really good steal. I did see him on a couple of Twitter, um, kind of content creators providing their teams on Twitter. Uh, but I think that that just heightens his appeal now with him and his being out. 7.9 million, I think that you could definitely do worse than picking Neves. Uh, the second thing um, was an observation um, on the Newcastle-Bilbao game. So I, I don't know if this was like when Shelby wasn't playing, but Bruno seemed to be, Bruno Gomez seemed to be playing a lot deeper. So he wasn't in the attacking third very often, if at all. Um, that's not to put people off picking him, you know, in Sky, that he's a... Um, He's a, he's a great option for picking up the tackle bonus as well. I just don't know that I'd be expecting as much attacking outlet from him as perhaps he did at the, towards the end of last season. Um, Is he still in your draft after after that for passing and tackles? Uh, he's never he's never he's never been in my in my sky draft. He's been on my shortlist of players that I definitely consider, but yeah, I, I don't have him in my draft currently. Um, and then the third player that. I was going to mention is Joe Matip. So it looked like Kanate went off with what could potentially be a serious knee injury yesterday. I don't know the extent of, of it in uh, Liverpool's friendly. If you're looking again to save budget, like I was mentioning about the Diaz over Cancelo um, argument, Matip's only 10.1. So if it looked like he was nailed on for all the games, um, you've got a saving of 0.6 over Van Dijk. 0.4 over Trent and 0.2 over Robertson. I think those values are right. Rough, it's roughly that anyway. But um, he would then come into my thoughts based on being a nailed on Liverpool defender um, and the cheapest one at that. He's got a really good attacking threat, Matip, as well. I mean, he's incredibly dangerous. Yep. Really good. Yeah. Lovely stuff there, Paul. Um, okay, something I wanted to talk about, and it is basically spawned out of, you know, um, me. Uh drafting some ideas and teams last night and looking looking at points based on the new 
uh, scrapping of the man of the match rule, um, but also looking at positional changes for Salah and Son and kind of you know, kind of what that means. And um, obviously on screen now, I've got got the four kind of main premium attacking protagonists. You can call them Harlem. We obviously don't know from last year. Um, Salah scored three hundred and one Sky points last year. If you take away um, his man of the match points and add the extra points he would have got per goal, um, he would have ended up minus seven. So still two nine three, massive, right? You know you can't argue with that. Um, Son would have actually gained because he scored more goals um, that he got than he got man of the match points. We would have ended up on two seven one. The interesting one for me was Kane uh, would have lost. Um, 21 points because obviously he's staying, he's, he's staying as a forward now, right? So he would have gone down from 2-4-1 to just 220 points. And I can't, I can't help but look at players like Cancelo, Van Dijk and all these players and just wonder whether, um, you know, Kane and Haaland now are going to have to double return in a game to be really worthwhile over these premium defenders, judging, you know, b- based on you know, previous performances, right? So, you know, if someone like Van Dyke, for example, they got a clean sheet and he had passing bonus as an absolute minimum, 10 points there. I think for for Kane to get that now, that is a goal plus max max shots bonus. Um, and that is obviously... Um, so, captains, you know, it would obviously work out the same. And these premium defenders... Or a lot less structurally is a bit easier as well. So that's my thought is basically a forward is going to have to double return. Um, and if they don't return at all, which obviously happens, they get they get nothing. Whereas obviously if Van Dyke or Cancelo, for example, don't keep a clean sheet, but they do get bonus, then they'll also outscore yeah. Kane, etc. as well. So this it's it's got me me thinking a little bit around my structure. And I did do a team last night with no Salah in. I think I tweeted out last night or this morning saying, I'm going without Salah. Now, obviously looking at the numbers there, it doesn't massively impact him. And I did kind of forget the, you know, the, the captaincy a week Monday. Um, I think if I think if you could have gone against Salah with, you know, with other players, I would probably have left it. But that captaincy a week Monday against Palace, he's gonna. I, I just can't. What like talk about n- not enjoying a game of football, not having Salah on Monday night football, right? Is just you know, it's just not gonna be enjoyable. So I think I've changed my mind now. So apologies for all those I said I'm not going without Salah because I wasn't, but I have since thought about it and and remedied my ways. And you know, obviously I expect Kane to start off well, uh, home to Southampton, home to Wolves again. You know, in games, sorry, in game games one and three. Do you know the only spot I'm scared of in the opening few games from not having a premium forward is Man City home to Bournemouth a week it's a week Saturday. Um Scott Parker came out yesterday and basically said we are nowhere near ready for the new season. We've lost eight players. We have no defence. Um and there's me thinking about trying to go without someone like like Haaland, right? So <sighs> kind of gone full circle now. More for protection than anything. But then I do then wonder whether if I just started off with a, a base team which included Salah and Haaland, for example, whether after the four or five weeks when it all settles down a little bit, could maybe go without them. Home home to Bournemouth is absolutely plum. It's probably the the plum fixture of the season. We can see how things, you know, kind of settle down. 
and then sort the structures out. But my B team, I'm not going to have Salah, Salah or Kane. I'm not going to have anyone. I'm just going to go, you know, full Liverpool defence and Cancelo and then just go for the th- people like, you know, maybe Wilson up front, who I think is going to have a great season um, in in my second team. It's a bit of an experiment just, just to see, you know, you know what happens. But I think the lack of man of the matches, I think significantly changes the whole face of the game for me personally because normally if Kane gets a couple of goals you can add on those extra six points even if Kane gets a couple of goals now I don't think it's as big a gap as it would be to someone like Van Dijk or Cancelo so sorry to it's a bit of a splurge there but just a bit of a a bit of you know a bit of a brain dump of my thinking what are your what are your thoughts on the premiums and on the captaincy and things like that yeah I know I know that your thought process is to get five at the back on that basis to get to get the value players like the big hitting defenders at the back. It, if you were more interested in some of the midfielders, you could do a four four two formation or a four five or a four five one formation and like move Salah onto Haaland and then back to Salah. I guess you've got that option. There's been a lot of talk about um, if you can't fit all the premium strikers in in that you want about rotating the, the rotating the premium strikers. I had a thought though, what about rotating the big hitting defenders? Like if we look at examples last season of where we used two transfers to bring in a player from um a lesser team, uh, get punished by them not returning anything and then using your second transfer to take them out. If you were using a transfer to bring in Van Dyke for two games and then transfer him on to Cancelo for two games and then transfer him back to Van Dyke. You can you can follow exactly the same pattern as what you do with your with your premium strikers but with defenders as well. So there's definitely options and that way you could then factor in getting your Chelsea defender that would cover off a couple of the captaincies where I think Chelsea have better like where a Chelsea asset would be the best captain on those days. Um, whereas you would Depending on your formation, you may not be able to come down to the Chelsea player to then go back up. Is the does the lack of man of matches now draw you at all towards? I know before you say, I know you're an ownership player, right? But speaking purely objectively now, Van Dyke versus Salah away to Fulham. Where's where's your where's your heart? I'd still. I, I think I'd still captain Salah. You think he scored more points like than Van Dyke? I think he has. I think he, it hurts you more if he scores more points and you don't captain him. Do you think so he I scores? Think, more? I think it's riskier. Do you think he scores more points than Van Dyke in that game? Yeah, I think he. I think he scores more points. Okay. Yeah, but uh, but uh, but I appreciate it's a difficult call, and they both end the season on similar points totals. Yeah. In my um, what I would say in, on the man of the match point of view, it puts me off players like Wilson more than anything else. If, if I was to say that what's my one takeaway from the man of the match changes is it puts me off the mid, mid-price forwards more. I'm surprised that because, because those those are the types because those are the types of games where if like you often pick those players up for a cap like for a captaincy yeah. and a nice run of fixtures and the captaincy, yeah. and then you double it like if in a game where Wilson scores one goal. I don't have the stats. I should have the stats to back this up, but I don't. But I don't. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't know where we're going to go. Down, I didn't know where we're going to go down this uh, down this rabbit hole. But if Wilson scores in a game, I think there's a high percentage chance he gets man of the match. 
he'll have lower odds to score than your Salas and your Keynes, et cetera, would be, um, and, and hence why it's relative in that sense. But because I would captain him on the single game days, I think there's a good chance he picks up man in match if he scores. Therefore, you're getting a mini haul out of a player, whereas you're getting less of a haul out of a type of player like that now. Well, I think, I think a goal and shot bonus for Wilson, which I think he's, I think he's going to have a, a fabulous season. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he got between 15 and 20 league goals this season, personally, if it, obviously if he stays fit, right? But that for me for 7.9, 9 or 10, you know, when he's hitting those reasonably regular 9 or 10 sort of pointers for 7.9 million forwards, I, I think I think he's really decent. And I think I think out of that bracket, Wilson's definitely the best. So yeah. I'm not, I, I wouldn't, I, that's not where I'm going with this, but it's, if I was bringing in a player yeah. that perhaps had a single captaincy day and a nice run of fixtures like a Mitrovic or yeah. or anyone along those, I'm not saying I'll never do it this season, but I think the lack of man of the match dampens the appeal more than what it did before. I think in my B team, I'm going to play 5-3-2 and go and put Wilson and Mitrovic up front and just kind of rely on, you know, rely on them to just get regular shots bonus. They're both on penalties. They're both absolutely nailed, you know. They'll both score a few, you know, a fair few goals. But yeah. How um, how 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 uh, early are you predicting the the Wilson injury? <laughs> well, that, you know, that's that's just what it is, and I'll have to, I'll have to, have to work it out. But I do think that first game home to Forest could be a very very a very good game for him. Um, massive back five, and then we'll see. But yeah, I think I think the B team, I think it'd be good. I'm definitely definitely doing it this year, as like I say, because this man of the match change. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Paul. Uh, let's have a quick catch up with the chat. Uh, Sam D. Taylor says, what is everybody's thoughts on Sancho? Um, think he's, uh, I think he's a bit more expensive, isn't he, than maybe Rashford and Martinelli, who you would, you would you guess you'd be kind of measuring against. Are you in any interest in, in Sancho, Paul? Uh, I can't remember what price he is, but I do remember thinking exactly what you said there, that he's a little bit more expensive than... Um, both of those players you mentioned, like Rashford, and is eight point eight just a little bit too expensive for me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Mark Williamson, how does overall volume of shot bonus compare to defender pass bonus? That's something we're gonna have to we're gonna have to research that market ahead of um, we've we've got it, we've got it. We just haven't uh, prepared it, so so we'll have to have a look at that. Uh, FPL Sparta says Rashford, no way. Um, Hot shot said, "I don't think there'll be as many passing bonuses because of the five subs and more players will be rested." That is an interesting, interesting point. Uh, your passing bonus tends to come from your centre halves, or, or or at least that's where like that's where you plan it from. And I, I don't think that the five subs rules will affect the centre halves as much as we would do with fullbacks on high pressing teams like like Spurs, like. There's so many threads on how when Conte implemented that system at Inter that he often hooked the hooked the um, the wing backs early because of the um, the amount of ground that they were expected to cover. Whereas I, I just can't, I couldn't see like Romero or Dyer coming off in situations like that unless it's like injury. Agree, agree with that. Okay. Let's do the first game week preview of the season. Game week one. Uh, first game, Friday the 5th of August. Um, I'll be at FF Fest on Friday. I'm going to uh, 
make the effort and get down to London. So I'm going to watch watch the game down there, which will be good. Crystal Palace versus Arsenal. Uh, Jesus is going to be quite fairly, I think, a very a very popular pick indeed. Um, you know, I think I was. I think a couple of weeks ago when we started talking about it, I was a bit, you know, a little bit unsure. But I think it's probably fair to say sure. one, he's absolutely nailed, and two. Kian Arsenal have been absolute lightning in pre-season. And I think it'd be a brave person to go against him. Do you think there's an argument for Saliba, Zinchenko, someone like that? I think I, I was with you. I think that I was a little bit cooler on him a couple of weeks ago, but his form in pre-season, Arteta's comments, um, he looks like he looks really lively. And then you look at Arsenal's fixtures, yeah. it's not like... Spanking. I had mentioned about potentially moving on to Vardy, um, but... Just uh, what's it? Leicester at home, Bournemouth away, Fulham at home, all on match day ones, and the and the. So it's not even like you hop off and hop back on. You kind of, yeah. I just, I was, I went and checked the Crystal Palace Arsenal game. Uh, Palace won that fixture at Palace three nil last year because I was going to have a look and see if the centre halves of Arsenal picked up passing or not. Expecting them not to because I know that Palace hold a lot of uh, a lot of ball, but I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't push that stats, uh, those stats to fit my narrative because both of them, because both of them did hit passing bonus. So, um, so I can't come and say that oh, Arsenal are unlikely to get passing because it's um, it's not necessarily true. Although Salva and Gabriel have struggled for passing bonus in the preseason friendlies, they're going to be cut about forty passes. As same with Sinchenko as well. And if you looked at the heat map of Sinchenko against Sevilla, um, he what like. He, he wasn't in the attacking third that much as well. I think I think weighing up all of that, I think Jesus is the best option. I wouldn't I wouldn't go against the double up with Saka or Martinelli um, to complement that because most people is going to be on Jesus. So your profit from the game is going to be very little if they do um, if they do trounce them. Yeah, I'm, I'm not massively keen on the factual fixture itself. I think away to Palace is going. To, I personally think it's going to be a a tough game. I think it'd be a close game. I think it may be kind of a one-all or Arsenal may pip it sort of 2-1. It's to fix that after that for me, which is exciting. And, you know, yeah. I mentioned Dyer 8.4. I think it's brilliant value. I think Jesus at 9.6, you know, he could, he he has the potential to be a, a 10.5, 11 million forward there. Right? You know, if you think that he's 2 million less than, than Haaland and Kane, but those, those fixtures, um, he's a class player playing for a team, really good team now in form. Um, I think at 9.6, he's actually turned into a bit of a no-brainer now, haven't he? Whereas I've definitely changed my mind, yeah. Um, Saturday the 6th, we see the teams for Fulham and Liverpool, uh, Spurs, Southampton, Newcastle Forest, Leeds, Wolves, Bournemouth, Villa, and we finish off with Everton and Chelsea. Uh, Salah captain? Yeah, Salah captain. There's definitely an argument to be made for Son or Kane based on... Southampton's hat. Southampton. We've seen Spurs tear apart Southampton's high line um, on a few occasions before. So, um, yeah, definitely make make arguments for each of those. I think Salah's a standout captain. Um, I thought he looked lively in the uh, Community Shield um, against City as well. I thought he looked, and he always starts the season well. I guess yeah. those those of us that get disappointed with Salah, particularly in Sky. Those patches of uh, of not being involved tend to happen. Like it looks from burnout towards the end of the season, as opposed to the start. I think in the last, I want to say four seasons, definitely three. He's got a minimum of 
I think it's two returns in each each game, hasn't he? He had uh, a goal, a goal and assist against Norwich. He had a hat trick against Leeds, and I know he did well, didn't he? In the opening day last season as well, um, yeah. and he's facing a newly promoted team again. This this is why you know I was like, Fulham's only got. Am I right in thinking Fulham's only got two registered centre halves just now as well? Oh, I'm not sure about that. Uh, <laughs> Reem and Adarabayo. So they're trying to sign Yannick Vestergaard from Leicester. Leicester. Oh, okay. Uh, I think they've only got two. Um, yeah, two fit centre halves. Okay. Not, you only need two, but. <laughs> yeah. but. Um, FF thinker Sean Thorpe in the chat. Shot bonus was hit. 622 times last season, passing 848. I forgot to say, actually, if you want to look at all the stats from last season, Sean has written a brilliant article um, on the hub. Go to fancyfootballhub.co.uk. Look in the Sky section there, and Sean has written brilliant stuff there. So, yeah, shot bonus was 622, uh, passing 848. Yeah, interesting interesting yeah. stuff there. Thank you for that, Sean. Uh, Sunday the 7th, United versus Brighton, Leicester versus Brentford, and West Ham, Man City. Now, I just can't get overly excited about that Man City game, but I know that Haaland is going to be massively captained and more so because I think I think if Spurs played the following Saturday, I'm not sure we'd see as much high ownership for Haaland, but it's that home yeah. to Bournemouth match next Saturday. This is what is, is kind of scaring me a little bit, um, is that game. But uh, Captain Haaland on Sunday, Captain Cancelo... What's your thinking? Could definitely make arguments for both of them. Um, Callan is the safest option. Safest option. Safest to protect you from a haul, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's just the following week. I, I don't, honestly don't think I would go with him if it wasn't for that home to Bournemouth the following week. Um, but it is, you know, if if that game plays out as it potentially should, if Bournemouth don't have a defence. And one of the best forwards in the world is playing for one of the best teams in the world against them. He could run absolute riot, couldn't he? Which is obviously, you know, you know, you don't want to be forty points behind, uh, you know, based off one game. But it is, it is, you know, it is. I think um, I, th- I think Vardy or Madison for a B team captaincy. Yeah, nice. Because like Leicester always start the season. I, I know they're in a bit of disarray at the moment, and a few of their players are unsettled. Telemans. I thought Telemans was out of contract, or is that he's out of contract next season? They thought he was going to make a move because he's still there. He came on, he came on yesterday. Um, maybe he's got another. Maybe he's got another season, and they just they were expecting him to go this summer because of that to get a to get a fee. But Madison or Vardy could uh, could do really well. Agree. Okay, uh, let's have a look at some questions. We've probably answered a lot of these, I would guess, as we're going through. Uh, good question from Lee Giles. Do you have any transfers booked in already? Um, any thoughts there, Paul? Are you like setting your team up for the first few game weeks or have you got something up your sleeve? I'm not looking beyond the first three game weeks, but I, at present, I'm planning on not making a transfer um, and sitting with what I've got. I'm pretty happy with my team. Um, all pending team news at the end of the week. Um, but I could see one or two moves like the hokey cokey with Kane or Son to Haaland being really popular, and I can I can get on board with why that like why that looks like a good tactic, and I can understand why why people would be doing that. Um, I don't think I, I don't think I have yet. 
It's, it's, it's a hard one because I've definitely not like nailed down any sort of draft yet. Um, but I, I, I don't think I'll be putting in transfers. I don't think, like I say, Kane, Holland, maybe, but other than that, probably not. Uh, Tom Hartnell, would you consider starting with Callum Wilson? Uh, is five three two too much of a risk? Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. Tom, it's a bit unconventional. I personally like it, but that means if you are going for five three two, and this was the issue I had with having Wilson. If you're going for Jesus, which you probably are, means you can't easily get them to um, Harland or Kane if you you know if you wanted them, especially Harland in game week two. So that was the issue with having Callum Wilson. You probably I wouldn't say have to have. Jesus, but assuming you go in for him, um, you can't then have Haaland or Kane unless you shift an expensive defender, which you're probably not going to do. So, any thoughts here, Paul, on that? Anything else? I'll just echo what you said there. Okay. Uh, we've talked about Saliba. Uh, Roy asks about Saliba, as does Liam. Uh, Liam Dorian also asks about Fred. We have mentioned Fred. Uh, it was a bit of a joke last year, Paul. You gave me a bit of a ribbon about that. Yeah. We did all right. Uh, yeah, I don't, and I don't know if this is <laughs> if this is to reignite that conversation or not. <laughs> um, I, mean, I, I, I don't even know what price he is. Really. No, seven point seven point six. Is there he? You go. Yeah, that's not bad. That's I I think that that's good because I think he plays. <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> I think it's like Liam's. Liam's won the game before, and I've not. So if he's been serious, then 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 um, there's all is there's all there's all um, Passes, a valid tackles, reason to listen to. Threat. I admit, what are you laughing at? I honestly think he's. I honestly think he's decent. Seven point six is well because because I don't know. I think Liam set this exact conversation up by by asking that, and it's uh, and we've fallen uh, right into his hands. FPL Spartan has just said Fred got sent off in the friendly lull. Um, I'm not sure. I, right, I'll bet you. Here we go. I'll bet you both. What would be a reasonable to a reasonable return for Fred after four game weeks? Average of five points a game, six. Well, you think you'll get five points a game? Yeah. You think you'll get 20, 20 points? Absolutely. Okay. Easy. E- e- easy, because I was going to go less than that. I was going to go less really? than that. So, yeah. Five, points, five points Five points a game. game. Average. Okay. Obviously average. Okay. Right. 20, if he gets 20 points over the first four games. Deal. There we go. Yeah. Um, Ollie Paul uh, says, shout out to all the brilliant Sky content we've got. Final team reveals from Dan Liam and reigning chat Mark Wisdish to come this week. Definitely. And he does ask, does listening to this count as work for me, Fergie? Um, Owen, is starting with a West Ham Bournemouth player for the 24th of October. <laughs> Too far in the future to contemplate. Um, I think so. 24th of October, I think, is... Uh, I don't know what game week that is. That's like game week, what? 12, 14, something like that, maybe? Ma- Martin Beasley says, I'd rather pick Fred West. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that, Martin. Uh, West Ham or Bournemouth, Paul? Wait and see. Yeah, I've, I, I've not looked after. I've not looked after four game weeks. I don't think so. Um, the only, but well, I say I say the only Bournemouth player. I think that's unfair. But Sam Billing at seven point one uh, looks good. The only problem is, I think he started on the bench yesterday. Um, in the you know when they Philip Philip Billing. Philip, who did I say? Sam Billing, I think. Oh, he's the cricketer, Phil, Phil uh-huh. Billing. Um, seven point one million. Uh, 
which I think is is superb. He got ten goals, ten assists last season. Really, really tall, good in the air, passes and tackles potential. Yeah, but I was actually. Yeah, I did some. I had a look at him for a Telegraph game. I think, he, yeah, he was playing in the number ten role towards the end of last season. Scored, yeah. scored ten goals, t- ten goals, ten assists. Right. Um, and if he doesn't play in that position, then he's more likely to pick up tackle and bonus. So. Tony says, "Fred, you're having a laugh." Fred, Fred's taking a bit of stick here, Paul. I'm, I'm not happy about it. Seven point six million. That's good value. Ian Parrin, uh, with seemingly plenty of options, both over ten million and below. Who are the three mid-priced defender midfields and strikers we all need to fill? Mid-priced defenders, midfields and strikers. I'm going to chuck in Eric Dyer, um, Thiago Silva, uh, strikers, obviously Jesus, is he's 9.6. Yeah, 9.5. 9.5, yeah. Um, can't really think of midfield off the top of my head. There's obviously players like Saka and Mount. Madison apparently got. I think he got stretched off yesterday. Um, no, that, I saw. I think that's a. I think that's a rumor. Oh, is it? It's not actually true. Yeah. Okay. Havertz nine point two. Uh, Rodri nine point one. Passes and tackles. If he assuming he plays every game, still scored two hundred and three points last season. Rodri. Awesome for nine point one, isn't it? Um, yeah. Any more to? Chuck in there, Paul. If I if I was going in that bracket in midfield, if I think who has the potential to score the most points over the season, I'd pick Mount. If I think who's going to be the best value, I know I talked about him being more defensive, but because he's at the lower end of that price bracket, I'd probably go Bruno Gomez. Bruno, yeah, yeah, eight point three. I do like Odegaard as well. Eight point two, one hundred forty-eight points. He's their captain now. He's he really makes yeah. them tick, don't he? I really like him. Um. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I just had some. Re- Sorry, I was looking at my thing because I just had an urgent, urgent message. I just had some really exciting news from the hub, which I can't. I don't think I'm going to be allowed to share on here, but uh, really, really excited. <laughs> Sorry, completely threw me there, mate. FM. Um, the the question about West Ham, Bournemouth earlier on. Um, if you look at like, so that was in October that you're looking to do the transfer for. On Sunday, the 11th of September, West Ham play Newcastle at home. So that would be a good opportunity to bring in Bowen then if you wanted a West Ham asset. Yeah. So instead yeah. of starting with instead of starting with one, I would bring in one, gain an extra game down the line somewhere. So the important questions, Dan Cox, who is going to win Love Island? Um, shortly, Ekin Sue, and I'm not sure if it's David or David. Uh, uh, David A. Yeah. David A. Yeah, I, I've not looked at the bookies' odds, so I don't know who's the favourites, but they're the most entertaining couple on it anyway. And please, can you both congratulate the Lionesses? Absolutely well done indeed. Uh, Liam says, opened a can of worms with Fred. Yeah, you did, you absolute swine. Uh, Grey Wolf Stinner says, Leon Bailey for 7.4 could be a bargain. Uh, if he hits the ground running, he's pretty sensational in pre-season, isn't he? Very they've, good. Got good fixtures. they've got good fixtures as well. I mean, when you look at the potential of Bailey at 7.4 against Fred's 7.6, I think it's only there's only one winner there, Fairview. All right. We'll see. Um, we've answered most of the other questions, actually. Um, Josh has got four Arsenal in my current draft. Zinchenko, Saliba, Saka and Jesus. Am I going mad? I think I just think that game at one fixture for me is not very attractive. Yeah. That's the only problem with it. 
Agreed, agreed. But then, if you're playing the value over the first five or six game weeks, I think that I think that all four of them could do really well over those kind of opening six to eight fixtures for Arsenal. Uh, George Thomas says thoughts on Chelsea defenders. Um, I like Kula, um, Kula Nine point four. Nine point three. Yeah, ahead of Silver, because, just because he's younger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Silva's similar, isn't he? Like 9.2, I think. Some, it's 0.1 either side yeah. of him. I can't remember if it was 0.1 cheaper Silva's or 9.1 more. Yeah. Both, both, both good options, I think. Best Forest asset uh, from Dale Turner. There's only three Forest assets that I would entertain. I think Dean Henderson and Golds. Um, Brennan Johnson's probably the, the, the star. 7.2 on penalties scored in the last game. Um, another one would be O'Brien, that they just signed from Huddersfield, 6.6 million defensive midfielder. Should pick up tackling bonus. Good box-to-box player. I think he'll suit Forest style under Cooper as well. Uh, Yates as well uh, was... He's injured. No, I yeah. think he's back. Uh, he came back and then got injured. Oh, you're injured again? Oh. Yeah, I think I think so. I think he went off after. I think he went off after 20 or 25 minutes, unless they've had another friendly since and he played. I think he, he came back and then got injured. Uh, just on uh, a question from JMC70, who's your cheapest great enabler? Um, there is a player for Fulham, so people have been talking about midfielder Palinha, 6.6 million. Uh, apparently, I haven't got the stat in front of me, but... 27, 27 games, three goals, and averages three tackles per game. That was in Port- that was in the Portuguese top flight. Yes, but yeah, for six point six million, could you know? I don't think you probably expect much attack, much attacking returns, but tackling wise, could be could be quite Norgardy in a you know in a Fulham team yeah. that is going to be on the back foot. Um, you'd expect for most of the time, but um, six point six. He's probably the cheapest player I've seen. Which him as the him, him O'Brien from. Not the forest I mentioned there, and Gibbs White has been playing in a yeah, front three that. for and all of and all of Wills's preseason friendlies. Uh, so again, he could be an option because Wills's fixtures are are really good. Oh look, how much is uh, Gibbs? Oh, he's six point six as well. I think. Blimey. Okay, plenty of options there then. Plenty of options. Yeah, and. And there's sideways move like so because there's so many options. There's sideways moves if these players don't work out as well. You've got Kamara from Villa, who's six point eight. I know it's a little bit more expensive, but you know, like that that um, bracket um, ha- has a few options. So you can, if you do start with one and it doesn't work out, you can move to move to another. Let's look at the ownerships of all these players we're talking about. They're just so low. I, you know, obviously, I didn't expect Gibbs White to be high, right? But Nearly every player we talked about, like Rodri, look at his numbers towards the end of last season. 10, 8, 11, 5, 8, 10. He's only in 5% of the teams. It's, I really think that because there's no overhaul, because no first overhaul, I don't think we're going to have a template because I think, I think the template firmly morphs after the first overhaul because everyone's seen everyone. We know who the enablers are. This is the thing: is we don't know who the enablers are yet, do we? The right ones, I mean. So, I think it's wide open. 
honestly do. I think it's incredibly wide open. Joe Cancelo, 20% ownership. Van Dyke, less than 20% ownership. I think it's mental. Thiago Silva, less than 5% ownership. These are players who are like 60, 70, 80, 90% owned, obviously, in the top 1K, right? But crazy. Anyway, uh, FF Thinker says Rodri averaged over a bonus point per game last season. Obviously, Phillips is there now, so you know he has he has some competitions. We probably get a rest, but yeah, lovely stuff. Um, that's it for us for this week. Um, thank you so much, Paul. Again, brilliant stuff. Um, thank you so much to everyone who has watched and listened. Uh, your continued support is much appreciated as usual. Really enjoyed this episode. Really enjoyed doing the the game week preview this week. Uh, in terms of this week now, we, we're not planning on doing another pod. It's purely because we were trying to think of what we could talk about, but not much is going to change between now and game week one. So we, we may do one, uh, but I don't think so. Um, if, you, if, if anyone's interested in multi-format play, so do they play if they play Telegraph and they play Dream Team or even one or two of the other games, um, we're, we're going to cover off a tiny bit of Sky in that um, in our new pod as well, where we're combining our scores across the the four formats in a in a season long bet against each other and see who can prevail as a, a king of fantasy between the two of us. We will. I think we're going to be recording our first one of that tomorrow. Now, aren't we? We were going to do yep. it today, but we're going to do it tomorrow now. So it'll just be a fifteen or twenty minute sort of you know sound bite. I think what we'll probably do by the sound of it is put the first one out for everyone to listen to see if you enjoy it um but you know we want to give hub members as much value as possibly can so uh that will be for hub members only uh from game week two onwards just a reminder 50 percent off fantasy football hub membership now the best fantasy site around if you play fpl and you don't win your mini league you get your money back you haven't used our my team tool for fpl get on it it is the best fantasy tool i've ever seen it's absolutely incredible um, you will also get, as I have member, three former champions, Game Week 1 team reveals, Dan Cox, Liam Dorian, and reigning champion Mark Wisdish will reveal their Game Week 1 teams exclusively for Fantasy Football Hub members. Link is in the description below. Make sure you sign up. Um, if you like what you watch, please press like. Be much, much appreciated. Remember to subscribe in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. If you enjoyed your listen, please rate the podcast versions and leave some comments. Um, We'll likely be back now next week. I think next Monday, uh, looking back, um, game week one, we may may do something. Could do a spaces potentially instead of a sort of a pod. If something, you know, love love the phrase emergency pod. If something happens, if say Salah uh, breaks down in training on Thursday, we all have to reevaluate. But at the moment, don't see an awful lot changing before Friday. So we'll see. I'm going to be doing some spaces, some FPL spaces and Sky ones. But if not, we'll see you back next Monday. Um, until then, happy tinkering. Have a fantastic weekend and goodbye for now.